was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We're going to talk some USC football with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Normally do his shows earlier in the week. It was a holiday. I was actually traveling, so we're going to have the coach on today answering all of your questions about this USC football team. Bunch of news we want to get to as well. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. If you have any questions or comments for us, any of the shows, podcast at USCFootball.com is the email address, or you could call or text us at 424-254-9141 is the number. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any place you get your podcast, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all those places. You can find the Peristyle Podcast there. Please subscribe. Leave some feed, positive feedback. A five-star rating is always welcome, so we do appreciate that. And tell your friends, any USC friends you have, let them know about the show. We'll be going into our 13th season covering the Trojans this year. All right, let's bring in the coach, Harvey Hyde. We got him on the line. How you doing, coach? I'm doing fabulous, buddy. I tell you, it's a beautiful time of the year. Recruiting's coming up again. Everybody's excited to see what the future in lies for everybody. And it's an exciting time for parents and kids and see if they get offered and sign a scholarship. And then we can talk about it and all the hiring of coaches and movement that's going on. It's just an exciting time. Uh, football goes year-round. That's why we go year-round, Ryan. Yeah, there's football. It was funny. I was at the gym this morning, and, and one of my friends asked me, like, well, now the season's over. What do you do? It's like, yeah, it's never over. There's always stuff going on. Coaching positions being open. And the big one, uh, USC's defensive coordinator position. There was some good news that was reported that Graham Harrell, who uh, had interviewed with the Philadelphia Eagles as the offensive coordinator there, is going to be sticking with USC. So that's a big, probably the biggest recruit you could have for Clay Helton. But still having that opening uh, over three weeks now for a defensive coordinator. Various reports from uh, you know Yahoo and the Athletic and uh, other places. I think ESPN also that um, Todd Orlando, the former defensive coordinator at Texas, who just got hired by Texas Tech after he was fired by Tom Herman, 
to be the linebackers coach and assistant head coach. Uh, he's no longer at Texas Tech. Uh, everyone, it's all pointing to coming to USC. We thought that the you know that this would be happening, make it official sometime this week. We are recording this on Wednesday afternoon, and as of now, still hasn't been official. Um, but you know, this is the hire that's going down, barring some weird contract thing at the last minute. So uh, this is the one, the guy we expect to come in. Uh, had a really good first year at Texas, and then the other two years weren't as great. But he's been with Tom Herman for five years, a couple of good ones at Houston. Did a nice job uh, for Matt Wells at Utah State, 15 years as a defensive coordinator. I wanted to get your thoughts, Coach. I don't know how much you know about Todd Orlando, but your thoughts on USC, uh, you know, reportedly bringing him in. Well, you know, um, I'm disappointed it took so long to decide and who to get a defensive coordinator. You know, normally at USC, if you're offered a job at USC, you uh, almost say, uh, when do you want me there? And it's uh, taken a little bit longer than what's expected. And I don't know how many other people they talk to or whatever, but it's taken a, a long time, uh, and especially during a very important time of the year, which is recruiting time. People want to know who they're going to play for, who's the defensive coordinator. And, of course, they've got to get that straight in the way, too, the special teams coach. I knew that's going to be. And there, are there going to be any more coaching changes? And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens as far as uh, – uh, Orlando is concerned. Uh, he's uh, coached uh, major college uh, football. At least he's been a defensive coordinator. He's not going to learn on the job. He's learned uh, in a positive situation. He's been a big-time uh, program since it's the University of Texas. He knows what works and doesn't work, and I think the number one thing he understands is it takes players. It was the first year he was at Texas. They had great players, and when you don't have great players, you're not as good as a coach. So I think he understands that. He lost his job. He went to Texas Tech. And now he has the opportunity to come into USC where they normally get pretty good players. So I think that they're better off than what they were only because you've got a college coach coaching college football. You'll probably, uh, when you face the Oklahomas and you face some of the teams that you played in the Big 12, you've seen it all. And you should know exactly and have an idea of how you defense it, cover it, and the different uh series of stopping the option, running quarterbacks, athletic quarterbacks, passing game, running games, and so on. So at least he has a background in that. If he has a background in that, and then Matt, uh, Matt Wells was a hell of a coach at Utah State. So at least this guy has worked his way up. And I like coaches that have worked their way up. Now he's moved around a lot, but that's the way it goes in coaching. Everybody understands that. But I think it's an improvement. Uh, over what coach was uh, Pendergrass. Not that he was a bad coach. I don't just. I just don't think he was suited for college. Uh, he didn't recruit. He didn't like to recruit. He didn't understand that part of recruiting. And I don't know how much he understood of the college football game itself. But now I think you've got somebody that really is involved in college football. Loves recruiting. I hope if he doesn't, he's going to get fired again. <laughs> and because you don't coach without players and you don't win, so. I think uh, the only thing that bothers me, get it done. If the guy's still debating or what's going on, uh, I want somebody who wants to coach it up at my university or my school. I want somebody who says, don't worry about it, I'll be there. And I hate to see this now. I think it's going almost on 20 days since they're making this uh, search as far as for a defensive coordinator. And that's a lot of wasted time. And uh, that's one thing I don't like about how long it's taken to decide what they're trying to do with the coaching staff. Yeah, you know, I think it's done, Coach, except for 
dealing with your university bureaucracy stuff, you know, just uh, paperwork and all that. that. That's my understanding, but who knows? We've seen things fall apart before, but it looks like that's what's going to be happening. Curious to see if he will make any changes to practice. There was a lot of talk at Texas about the way he stepped up intensity of practices. He, he does believe in that. Will he be allowed to do that with Clay Helton, which are more of the softer practices, I guess you could say. Uh, you know, there's that. And then also, will he bring in any other staff members? There was other staff members let go from Texas, a couple guys that, that don't have jobs now uh, that he could potentially bring on, which would mean you'd be making more changes that, you know, announcements that haven't been made yet as far as any other coaches from USC side that wouldn't be coming back. So uh, when it's fully announced, I'm curious to see what dominoes fall uh, after that. But it looks like that's the direction that USC is going. Um, you know, I, I'm fairly positive on this one, I would say. Uh, most, and I, you know, talked to some people that I trust that, that really liked him. The people at Texas covered him, thought he was a really good coach. I uh, talked to an analytics guy who, who felt that it's really – He's really good at his job, so I don't know. We'll, you know, there's there. We'll see how that goes. They needed to bring in someone. He's got experience, um, so we'll uh, we'll see how that pans out and what, like I said, dominoes fall afterwards. But you mentioned the special teams coordinator. We do have a question from John in Oakland. Uh, I haven't talked about this position as much, but as someone personally who's been very, I guess you could say I've been very critical of how special teams have played, coach. I should probably pay more attention to who. They're going to hire. I think all the focus was on the defensive coordinator hire first, but here's John's question. He said, uh, in this somewhat quiet period, period, I have a question about special teams coaching. For you and Coach Hyde, I was listening to an NFL radio talk show, and they were discussing the hiring of the New York Giants of a new head coach, and that was a he was a special teams coordinator. One of the show hosts, a former coach, pointed out that in the NFL, special teams coordinators are actually the most involved assistants when it comes to the whole team, I think uh, Shotgun Spratling mentioned that on the show before too. Uh, the special teams coordinators also have to deal directly with key assistant coaches, like the DB coach, wide receiver coach, as well as the line coaches, who in turn deal with various players. Special teams coordinator during the game has to stay on top of uh, down and distance, whether their team is on offense or defense, and be thinking about what fourth down decision to be ready to support when made by the head coach, offensive coordinator, or other team. In other words, it's not just about teaching players to kick, punt, or execute specific special teams plays. I know you're not a fan of USC wasting a coaching slot on special teams coordinator. I used to think about this too. However, given what I heard, I'm wondering if this view of special teams coordinator holds true for the college game and makes having a, this dedicated assistant position a reasonable choice. Fight on, John, in Oakland. And real quick, I, I like having a special teams coordinator, especially now that you have a 10th assistant. I, th I think most teams do now. When, when there was only nine assistants, it was sort of hit or miss. But I think for the most part, teams all have special teams coordinators now. Well, I agree with you, Ryan, and then I agree with the, uh, the special teams, uh, what the gentleman is saying here. Uh, that's expected on any level. It's not a big surprise. And one reason he has to work with all the different players and evaluate talent because you've got to be able to have the available players to play on special teams. And you've got to be able to have them ready to go in the game whenever you need them to go into the game. And it's his responsibility to have the punt team ready. It's his responsibility to have the field goal team ready. It's uh, when we have 11 guys on the field, I'm going to look to him. Uh, it's his job. That's what a special teams coach is supposed to do. Uh, put together a game plan for the special teams, run it by me, see if I agree with it. 
because I watch the films too, and I'll ask him how he plans on doing certain things, and I agree with it or don't agree with it. And, uh, and that's his job. If he doesn't get that done, he gets fired. It's just simple. I think sometimes people underestimate the importance of special teams, and I think you need to have – that's a third of the game as far as where you are. When a field goal kicker misses a, a field goal, and not that I blame the special teams coach, but I look over at him, and I said, what's the deal? Because why? He had a lot to say on who we recruited as our kicker as far as on the kicking or punting team or whatever, kickoffs and so on. So every guy has his uh, responsibility, and every guy, and we always say this, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So all of them have got to be perfect with, no matter what part of the football program you are, from academics to the strength and training to nutrition to academics. What good is it to have players that aren't eligible? So it all comes down to everybody doing their job, and then you still might not win. And the recruiting coordinator is the key, too, as far as getting players that can get into school, can play up to their level, and uh, recruit against the number one opponent you have, players that you can beat that number one opponent. Yeah. And if you don't have those people, you're not out coaching anybody. People, let's think about that. Coaches are all pretty good today. It's the athletes that make the difference and making sure you put them in the correct position that they can play. And that's something I don't feel they've really done at USC. Yeah. Uh, so there, some other news, Coach, I want to mention real quick. Uh, as far as the NFL defections go, only left tackle Austin Jackson is leaving. Che Tefele, Elijah Vera Tucker, Tyler Vons, they're all coming back. Uh, Daniel Matorbebe, we broke the news on uscfootball.com. He sat out the last two years. He'll be returning as well. Um, so any thoughts on the personnel front, Coach? Austin Jackson leaving or those other guys who were most likely going to return, uh, returning outside of Daniel Metor Bebe, obviously. Well, you know, Austin's going. I don't know why he's going. Uh, I wouldn't draft him in the first round. And nothing against the kid. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of people say he's the first-round pick. He's the first-round pick. Me as an NFL scout, i got to have better in my first round. First-round players today make a difference in my program. They start immediately. They make a difference on my team. I can't be wasting first-round picks. He's not ready to play in the NFL. He's technique-wise, his strength-wise. Good kid, runs well and so on, but he's got to work on his techniques. Me, I'd have advised him to come back and play another year. You saw the way he got eight up in the Holiday Bowl. Now he's going to play one of those guys every single week in the NFL, or guys that are even faster. So he decided to go out. He goes out. I'll tell you one thing. I'd be going to find out where Bradley is right now, and i try to talk him into coming back. He's the biggest, uh, the strongest of all the offensive linemen. I don't know if he has an attitude or whatever, but I know that I'd need to get me an offensive tackle that can play right away, but we're not going to win any games because the most important players on the offensive side of the football, as far as I'm concerned, is your quarterback, your left tackle, and a tight end, and a tight end USC doesn't play with. Now you talk about this player coming back. Where is he going to play? Yeah, good question. H-back? <laughs> uh, well, where is he going to play? Why is, he gonna make, why is everybody so excited? Good kid, so on. He's been hurt all the time, hasn't ever – contributed before except uh, that one season his first season caught a few balls who are you going to take off the field who are you going to take off the field which one of the players that are receivers now you're going to take off the field i mean you know so let's don't get too excited about certain people coming back and losing people because you know and same with the defensive coordinator how does he get ready for 
Alabama when you don't even face an Alabama type of offense? I, I don't know. These are all the questions I I like to ask because everybody gets excited about you know these little things that happen on the offensive side of the football. But that didn't that didn't mean you. How many teams have you seen in the final four, the final six to run this offense? I haven't seen any. Yeah. Or so I'm just saying, you know, how do you get ready? How do you get your defense ready to play those type of teams? You don't. So these are the questions I'm talking about. All right, let's move on. We got a question from Ralph in Folsom. Uh, this is um, so if, if you guys don't know, I, I broke a story uh, last week that USC was uh, looking to get out of the UC Davis game, the FCF school. USC, since the, uh, the merger that they realigned the divisions, in 1978, there's FBS, the football bowl subdivision, and FCS football championship subdivision, only USC, UCLA. And Notre Dame haven't played an FCS school. Then they scheduled one to start the 2021 season, and uh, now the new athletic department is trying to get out of it. So uh, this is Ralph and Folsom. He said, with the changes in the athletic department staff and renewed chatter about getting out of the game with UC Davis, I'm curious about your takes on why Steve Lopes uh, and the rest of the department were insistent on scheduling this game. They were clearly alternatives when the game was scheduled, more than there are now. There has to be a swampy reason why they rescheduled this game, much to the chagrin of the fan base. Fight on and beat the swamp, Ralph from Arizona, formerly Ralph from Folsom. Well, let me tell you, Steve Lopes is, I think, a, a damn good uh, assistant or associate athletic director. I'm sad to see him go, okay? And it's not easy to, to schedule college football games. Everybody jumps on uh, him or whoever, you know, put together that scheduling. And Steve Lowe's did football scheduling. Let's, uh, we know that. You got to find a team that has an open date. You got to find a team that you can, uh, get a home game for. Uh, a lot of people don't want to play USC, uh, because of, you know, who, who they are and the reputation as far as a traditional school that can beat them to death. And they play a game like that, and then they don't have any players left for the rest of the season. So you sign who you can get. And you can always, if something happens, you can always buy that person out of that game and pick up somebody else that's bigger or better if your football program is one that can play them. Right now, I would think uh, I wouldn't bet on it. I mean, sure, they should beat them. But you remember a couple of years ago, UC Davis beat Stanford. Anybody can beat anybody on any given day. I think people just got to worry about winning and what it takes to win. Certainly, uh, I think that that game is a little bit embarrassing as far as the Trojans dropping down to that level, as far as having to play that type of team. I think it's the same thing with New Mexico. I think it's the same thing with UNLV. Those programs don't have anything that USC has in tradition, finances, nothing. But they're playing them. And if you remember, they struggled against UNLV in the, in the first three quarters a couple years ago. So, you know, you can't take any win for granted, but you got to remember the state of the program. It's not what it was, and other teams are better. So, you know, I think you got to focus on other things. You don't have three athletic directors. They're gone. Assistant or associate athletic directors are gone, and you're worried about getting out of a Davis game? I think there's far more important things to worry about than that. Yeah. Um, when we had a Gustavo in Soonerland. I should have wrote, wrote uh, read this one to you earlier about the offensive line. When we talked about you know, Austin Jackson going early in the 2020 draft, he wants to know, can that help uh, Tim Drevno recruit seeing one of his players succeed? And should USC fans be worried for the offensive line 
with both starting tackles gone. Thanks and fight on, Gustavo in Soonerland. Yeah, I would say that. I'd say you got to have some bookends. Uh, you're going to move uh, McKenzie out, uh, probably out one. And I'm not sure who you're going to play at the left tackle. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you're going to struggle without the uh, the big uh, the big uglies, as Keith Jackson used to say. That's where it's won. That's where it's lost. And, uh, you know, I think you got to be more physical. I, you know, I say the same things every week. Unless you're a physical football team up front, ask Iowa. Ask the defensive line from uh, USC how they like playing against Iowa, okay? Guys like that to get after that shovel snow and cut down trees and and do all the different things, and wrestle in the offseason, and uh, discipline, and hard-nosed type of guys that run the football, play-action pass, and have every type of formation or or uh, whatever they do for anywhere they are in the field. You know, it's different. Unless you teach this, and it's bred within you, you know, it's it's a different deal. Our, our kids on the offensive line are soft, and the, most of the players that play on the offensive line from the West Coast are soft. They all go to private schools or whatever, and and they don't have to do the things that other kids have to do. So you sometimes have to go outside and get some guys that you know uh, eat nails and you know what. <laughs> so uh, so you know I'm just telling you that these kids are good kids and they're talented athletes, but they don't get the idea and they're not coached to the level. I don't think they're allowed to be coached to the level of what it takes to play physical football teams. And until you're physical and can play physical football teams, you have a tough way of being successful because that's where it's all at. And I keep preaching this all the time. You can't just pass every down. You can't just run every down. But you got to be able to do both well. Yeah. This is uh, we got an interesting voicemail, Coach. Uh, a Duck fan just wanted to reach out to us. I'll play it for you. Brian, my name is Dan. Uh, I teach up here at the University of Oregon. But I listen to you guys. Your team is excellent. Uh, plus Harvey Hyde, you do a great job. I listen to you all the time. Keep up the good work. Go Ducks. Thank you. Nice, Dad. Thanks for that. But, you know, you don't get voicemails like that every day. That's really nice. Well, he's real happy because he's getting all the players. So he's <laughs> saying continue to recruit like you're recruiting at USC. I love what you guys are doing because we're able to get all the great five stars up here and so please don't make a change of any type. I think that your program is really doing well. you got a great program. You know, that's the way I look at things like that. You know, things, whenever somebody can beat you, he loves your program, okay? Yeah. <laughs> whenever wh- whenever uh, you beat people, they hate your program. Yeah. And they're trying to find things wrong with your program. And they're cheating. They're doing this. They're doing that. When everybody's happy about your program, you're in trouble, okay? Yeah. That means you're definitely in trouble. So thank you for calling. I think it's great. But I'll tell you, you're doing one hell of a job up there. You've got a guy that works as you-know-what off. And he's got it right, and he understands it. He learned it from Al Luganville, okay? He was uh, coached by Al Luganville. Al Luganville is his mentor. And Al taught him one thing, recruit. The name of the game is players, and if you think it's you, you got a mistake. And he follows this crystal ball, he, and he does it every day, every night, and there's a reason why you get great players, because he believes that players make a difference, and that's why Oregon's doing so well in recruiting. Yeah, uh, Mario Cristobal killing it up there. All right, 
Uh, USC will play the Ducks in Eugene next season. So late in the season. That'll be interesting. Uh, all right. We're going to take a quick break. Come right back and uh, keep answering your questions. Back in a minute. All right, we're back here on the Parastyle Podcast. We got an email from John in Brea, our buddy. He says, Dear Ryan and friends, if Graham Harrell goes to the NFL and USC is left with an opening for an offensive coordinator and an opening for a defensive coordinator, why not just say goodbye to Clay and start over? This is what a lack of vision, culture, and philosophy will get you. Having Coach Helton stick around to patch things together for another year seems a bit ridiculous uh that's john and brea and as we said you know graham harrell reportedly sticking around i guess someone else could interview him um but yeah there, a lot of the fans i think agree with john coach that they're just instead of hiring all these other people why didn't you just hire someone new instead of clay Helton? that's because they don't know and the worst person is uh, somebody that doesn't know that he doesn't know and they don't understand that it's amazing how everybody talks about it and understands the thing. And Clay Helton's a great individual, great individual. But you can't piece together a championship program. You've got to put together with a philosophy and you've got to put together with a goal and you know who you want, who your staff is. You have all to say. And I'm the one that's the head coach. And if you want to tell me what to do, you coach him. Hand him your coaching hat. And say, fire me, give me my $20 million. I'll see you later. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And until you have that confidence in yourself to do things like that, you're going to always be doing whatever somebody tells you to do. Because they think they always know better, and they don't know better. If Bone was such a great uh, football coach, why isn't he coaching football? He can make more money coaching football than he can be being an athletic director. So... Don't teach me how to be a head football coach. Uh, you're paying me $3 billion a year. I don't know. What are you paying me that for? And nothing against Mike Bone. I've never met him. But, you know, he right now, I don't know anybody in the athletic department. Steve Lotz is gone. Ron Orr is gone. Jacobs is gone. I don't know anybody in the athletic department anymore. And I hope they're planning on hiring some people that are part of USC, that know the tradition of USC. The president doesn't understand it. And uh, nothing against her, but, you know, she comes in, I'm sure she doesn't understand the importance of football at USC. Uh, she keeps talking about integrity, integrity, integrity. Well, why don't we just give the people credit that have the positions that they do have integrity rather than question their integrity and quit telling me about it. Yeah. So, you know, these are all the different things that I question. Graham Hell Hill, they keep talking about all these jobs. He wasn't offered the he wasn't offered the UNLV coaching job. I mean, uh and and, and the Eagles, was he offered the coaching job with the Eagles? He was interviewed. No, that doesn't mean he yeah. had the option to leave. You know he was offered that job? No, no, he was not offered. It was uh he, he yeah, interviewed. So yeah. where, where the hell is he going? Yeah. I mean, uh, agents do this to get pay raises. You people don't understand. The agents get all this stuff out so that people start to worry. And then athletic directors say, oh, my gosh, we better do something. Let's give him a raise or give him another year. Nothing against Graham Hill. But, you know, because you interview for a job doesn't mean you're leaving or going anywhere. You're using that as an opportunity to possibly get a better deal. Yeah. And then if you get offered it, then maybe you'll decide to go if it's that much better where you're going. You know what I mean? You're not staying somewhere because it's beach weather. 
you know, you're going, you've got only so many years in the coaching field to make your career last and you better take advantage of what's the best for you and your family. Yeah. All right. We got a voicemail. Uh, let me play this one for you, coach. Hey guys, Frank from Irvine. Ryan's listening to the podcast. I mean, come on, Ryan. Coach Hyde was on me. When he, when Coach Hyde said wishful thinking, he was more being very polite and saying yes, he was lying. He's telling white lies. Come on, Ryan. This is a job he has a boss to report to. These men are salesmen. They're selling kids. I'm in sales. I know when someone's not going to buy from me. It's pretty clear and evident. And I'm a pretty darn good salesman. Don't sit there and say, oh, they're very optimistic. Well, I'm optimistic I'm, I'm going to be the richest man in the world. Realistically, it's probably not going to happen. Okay? There's a difference. Say so how realistically knew these guys weren't going to be signing, but he sold a bag of goods to his boss. You were once working for somebody. You had a boss as an engineer. Could you really tell your boss, I'm optimistic we could get it to work, or did you still, or were you just being truthful that we have to go a different direction to make it work? Come on, Ryan. Can't put lipstick on a pig. We all know what it is there. <laughs> well, I'll let you answer yeah. that. So Frank and Irvine, um, so I, what he's talking about is when, I think this, I, he didn't say it specifically, but when Mike Bone came out and made the more optimistic statements about USC recruiting going better than anyone uh, is giving it credit for and the four silent commits thing. Um, I think we both talked about that, you know, he was getting more of an optimistic view from uh, the coaching staff. I don't like the comments at all. I think they were the wrong thing to say. Um, you know, if you're the athletic director, you're going to say something I, and it's before signing day. I think they're probably going to say something positive because they're trying to help in the recruiting effort. If they come out and say, yeah, they, they don't have any four stars signed, and this is a really, you know, no, none of the top 25 in California. This is a really whack class. That's probably not going to help your head coach either. So I think some of it's strategy where they don't want to say anything that's negative, but I feel like that stuff was offered up. And uh, as the athletic director, I don't think you need to say those sort of things. So, uh, Frank and Irvine, yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to put lipstick on a pig. Uh, I think. There was a lot of optimism, though, in the the coaching staff that they felt like guys like Justin Flo and Bryce Young had a decent shot at coming back to USC. And uh, obviously that did not happen. Um, there was just too much to overcome. And that's understandable. It was the five. That's, this ended up being the five and seven class. It wasn't uh, USC didn't finish five and seven last year, but this was the class that resulted from your five and seven season. And they had a chance to maybe salvage it a little bit, but it turned into a disaster. Well, Ryan, let me tell you, kids don't come to USC because of the athletic director, because they got a new athletic director, Nick Mike Bone, or whatever. Kids don't care about any of that, and he should stay out of that area, just like I said, the coaching area. Shouldn't get involved. He's got other issues to take care of and things to take care of. So getting involved in recruiting uh, now, you know, you can't do that. you got to stay out. Do you ever hear Mike Garrett? Do you ever hear Pat Hay- Hayden, uh, Lynn Swan, or any other athletic director around the country talking about recruiting? We're having a great year or any of that type of stuff? No. Just stay out of that area. That's not your area. That's why you hire somebody to do those jobs in recruiting. If your recruiting coordinator's not getting done, get a new one if he's not getting it done. And that's a head coach's job to do that. 
So, you know, see, everybody's trying to do everybody's job because they're all trying to piece together, but they're afraid that Coach Clay Helton can't do it, so they're all getting involved. Just stay in your own area and let a guy do what he's supposed to do, and if he can't get it done, then you make a change. But everybody's got the two cents worth in there now, and it's a mess. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We have a email. Uh, let's go with Sir Eric of Troy. He said, hey, Ryan, this is a question for Coach Harvey Hyde. Coach, is there a place head coaches can go to learn how to be head coaches? This may sound like I'm being facetious, but I'm actually not. I know they have coaching clinics of sorts during the offseason, but I mean a clinic where Clay Helton can go to test his philosophy against that of proven winners, other than the butt kickings he's receiving in live games. Maybe someplace where they'll teach him how to uh, be better at practice and prepare his team for games. I'm just curious because he certainly does not seem to be willing to change his soft practices, and Mike Bone, though he is his boss, is not a head football coach and would not have the personal knowledge or experience to order or teach Clay to change. In the words of Dan, Dan Weber, I'm, quote, just asking. Your namesake and former co-host for a day, Sir uh, Eric Hyde, a.k.a. Sir Eric of Troy. Well, uh, let, me, let me tell you this. First of all, there isn't such a course. And there are some leaders and there are some people who can be head coaches and there's some people who get the opportunity to be a head coach that never should get that opportunity. And the way you learn how to be a head coach is you work your way up under great coaches. You work for great coaches that are winning coaches and do it the right way. You don't come through the system and accidentally be in a place at the right time and get yourself a head football coaching position without working with the right people. You got to be on staff like Urban Myers and, if you're fortunate enough to be under Bo Schembeck or under Nick Saban or under some of these great coaches, well, you learn from the bottom coming up. And it also is great to be a head high school coach. You have the same problems there as far as how to organize your team and get ready for games and game plan or a community college coach or a division three coach or whatever. You got to come up and you got to be a head football coach and do it your way and Learn what's right, what's wrong, what I did wrong on this job, what I did right on this job, whatever. What I learned from this coach, what I learned from that coach, this is the way I'm going to do it, when I'm going to do it, and so on. But if you just come up and you've never been a head coach, you've never had to make decisions before, or you've never had to work or, with somebody that's been really disciplined or a true winner, how do you learn? And today there's so many coaches that are coming up that way the sons of somebody, or they was in a program where they happened to win a year or two, and all of a sudden they're boy genius. You know, there's no such thing as boy genius or any of these things. You know, there's certain uh, techniques, certain X and O, certain philosophies that just deal with the game of football. And unless you learn these certain uh, pieces of steel that go in the foundation, you never understand how it all works together. So, you know, this is the best way to say it. There's no way of going to a class or a seminar. you got to learn by doing the right thing, and you made the wrong decision here, and I'm never going to make that decision again. How you go into a, a home and recruit, and you, you secure that kid or you don't, and why you lost that kid, and you know why you lost that kid, but you made a mistake. You learn all through, do that by, by being it and doing it not learning it by listening to somebody. So, you know, it's part of uh, uh, of uh, being a head coach and being under great leaderships and understanding the ways of doing things right or wrong 
and what it takes to be a winner. All right, we got a couple more for you, Coach. We'll let you go. Uh, this is more of a statement from Rick in La Mirada. Check Arizona State's uh, a program who has a man's coach. Not just making great players, but growing great men. Herm Edwards is strong, but true to heart, and that's what they need. Well, Herm's a good guy, and a lot of people were didn't think Herm could get it done at Arizona State. In fact, a lot of people saying, what are you talking about? He had been in college football in 30 years. He hasn't coached. He's been on television and this and that. But what he was smart enough to do is get the type of people we just talked about that's done it, been there. He hires Al Luganville, who's been a head football coach in Division One, has been in charge of the Under Armour camp, has been a, the scouting assistant for ESPN, is coaching uh, arena football, is coaching the NFL in Europe as a head football coach. He's done all these things. He hires him as his recruiting coordinator, and he puts together a plan on how you go out and evaluate and bring in players. So he hires the type of people that fit his program, that can work under him, and he has the confidence in them doing the job as a coordinator or a defensive back coach or an offensive line coach. And if they don't get it done, he makes a change. And he made changes this year, even though they went to a bowl game and they had big wins. He changed four, three or four coaches on his coaching staff because it wasn't up to the level of what he expected if they'd gonna win big at Arizona State University. And he had a good recruiting year. So you got to know what you're looking for. You've got to be you're the chairman of the board of a corporation. And you've got to know who's getting it done in his office, who isn't getting it done in his office, and you gotta be able to remember that if somebody's letting you down somewhere, he's letting all of us down. Yeah. So that's that's exactly what the what the setup is with Herm. Herm is a guy that's been around football all his life, but he wanted people too that's also been around football all his life that he's met along the way, players that have beat him in recruiting or coaches that he's admired because he coached the Under Armour game and he met Al Luganville there and Al Luganville knew all the players and contacts. I want that guy on my team. Yeah. And that's why he hired those type of guys. Nice. Uh we got a couple more for you, let you go. John in Florida. Hey, Ryan, I'd like to hear Coach, uh, Coach's experience working with the financial side of college football. You've said that the athletic department funds itself, and most of that money comes through the football program. With all the revenue from the gate, TV, alumni, et cetera, how does that money get flowed back to the different college sports teams within a university? Who decides? What's the role of the university president, board, athletic director, and coaches in deciding where that money goes? Kudos to your team. Great podcast all around. John in Florida. I'm not too sure how all that works. Do you know much about that, Coach? Or? Yeah, I know how it all works. It works. The athletic director puts together a budget. He's he's projecting. They all meet with the radio, television, the broadcasting side, the marketing department, the, the whole thing. They're all projecting a certain amount of income to come in for the next season, 2020. Then what they do is they take that money, they divide that money into certain budgets uh, as far as staff, recruiting, uh, all the different areas, minor sports or, or Olympic sports, the whole thing, with the majority of the football program receiving most of the money. Then they break it down for there into salaries, recruiting, uh, academics, uh, nutrition, equipment, and so on. And when they break it all down like that, then they decide, they ask Todd Hewitt, who's the equipment manager, turn in your budget, we'll see what you need, how much we need to, to give you. They ask the academics department, the this department, the, the recruiting, all of it, 
sit down, they put it all together, and they say, well, we've got this much to do here. Coach Clay Hill, we don't have enough to, to do this. If you're going to do this, you've got to cut one or the other or whatever. And they finally get their amount of money that they're going to uh, give the football program. And then Clay Helton is under – he's the one that decides where his money goes. He's the one that decides how much I can spend on my staff, how much I can spend on uh, – how much I need to spend on recruiting. This, he's the one that decides what he does, in most cases, with his football budget because he's the head football coach. So he has to understand that. And then he meets with every one of those individuals, such as Todd Hewitt and the academics, nutrition, and so on, and asks them what they need before he makes the decisions on what he wants to do with his money and also with the staff money, how much he wants to pay his coaches. He has to make that decision. They give him the amount of money, and then he decides what he wants to do and what it takes for him to win. And then the remainder of the, the money is done with the other programs the same way. Basketball gets so much, he decides what he has to do with his portion of it, and everybody, all the other sports have to do the same type of thing. So that's the way it's broken down. The head coach gets a certain amount of money that he decides from the individuals that are part of his staff and all those other areas on what he wants to do with his money. All right. We got one last topic for you, Coach. Uh, a couple of people wrote in about the national championship game. You know, Ed Orgeron, congratulations to him. Yeah, uh, Nick, uh, he said, uh, congrats to Coach O. Hello, Georgia fans. I want to say congratulations to Coach O, an amazing season. But this delusional notion that Coach O would or could do the same at USC, I highly doubt due to who was on his staff year one plus the AD situation. Uh, thoughts. And then Jason Hernandez wrote in, what a game. Two powerhouses going for a national championship. The level of execution by the players and the drawn-up schemes by both sides, not to mention in-game adjustment, adjustments by coaches, was a wonderful representation uh, of how football should be played. After the championship game, I'm left with a disgusted taste in my mouth. When you begin to compare USC to national programs, we are light years away. And you compare USC to Pac-12 champions, we are two years away with a lot of help. The national championship game reminded me how undisciplined USC players are and how inadequate the coaching staff is. We are now entering into a state of USC football that you would think were the result of NCAA sanctions. Unfortunately, that is not the case. USC football is in comatose, and that's from Jason. Well, uh, you know, if you and everybody did probably watch the national championship game, that was a great football game, really great coaches, well-coached, very physical. You talk about the receivers uh, and compare them with USC's. You see the speed of the receivers, their passing game the running game they have, the way their backs get the extra yard. How about the way their linebackers hit and their defensive back hits and the way their receivers block and the whole package. It's a, it's a whole different level of college football. It's really the game is called football. You watch the football game. You didn't watch, uh, you know, uh, basketball on grass. Uh, you know, you saw a football game. That's the way most of us, Remember football, the way it's played, a running game. A quarterback that's not afraid to run. You don't have to slide. I mean, those guys slid. Those guys ran for that extra yard or ran for whatever it took to win and, and did those type of things. And they weren't afraid to run quarterback draw or keeps or do the things that, need, that were necessary to spread the defense and utilize every single player on the field, all 11 of them. Well, you don't see a lot of that in some programs. You see them protecting people. You don't protect people. Look at the top four or five teams in the country, Justin Fields, Gotham Hurts, all those guys. They all run the football. They're all football players. 
A quarterback's got to be a football player. And, you know, he's got to be able to move around so you don't stand there like a statue and a pigeon sits on your head, okay? <laughs> and that's exactly what, what sometimes happens at USC. There's no mobility. There's no understanding of, of that you're running back with a one-back set is a running back, but you need to run two backs if you're going to run what they do in the passing game. So you have play action pass and the extra blocker. Yeah. I see this say this every single week, and you keep asking me the questions, and I don't blame you, but you can't believe it yourself. Yeah. Uh, real quick for Nick. Um, no, I don't. I don't. I'm not saying Coach O would have won a national championship, but USC would be way better off if they've kept Coach O than going through the mess that they did with Sark and Clay Helton. And look at that 2016 team. He would certainly recruit better. Like there would be better players on that team, and that's a team that looked good at the end of the season with Sam Darnold. Um, I mean, that probably could be a playoff team under Ed Ordron, at least. So they would have been better, I thought. But anyway, uh, good stuff, Coach. Thanks uh, for coming in. And uh, yeah, looking forward to see if some more news breaks this weekend, and we'll talk about it all next week. We'll do it. We want to thank all of you for listening. Thank you for your questions and the whole package. And I don't think there's any question that USC made a big mistake and not hiring Ed Ogeron. I mean, why why do we even talk about it anymore? Yeah, we should. Everybody realizes it. It's a done deal. Biggest mistake ever by Pat Hayden, and maybe in the history of USC football. Yeah. So you know that at least he should have been he should have been able to have his opportunity to try. Yeah. And they didn't do that. All right, that good stuff, Coach. Thanks again. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. Thanks again for listening to the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Parastyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 